At American University, we don't just hope for change, we create it. We don't just dream of a better world, we make it a reality. With a graduate degree from AU, you'll access expert faculty and connections throughout DC to develop skills and experience to turn your passion into purpose. And that purpose can make all the difference in your career. Discover the difference a degree makes at American.edu slash gradschool. Hi there, I'm Max Kaiser. This is the Kaiser Report. You know, one of those mysteries. When the bailouts came in 2008, oh, there's a lot of money printing going on. And people said, well, where's the inflation? The government says there's no inflation, you know. And then a lot of people would say, well, actually, health care and education are skyrocketing in value. You don't count those. And that's why you're misreading inflation. And this has been going on for years. New evidence suggests we found it. We found the missing inflation. Stacey. Right. That is because 2019 has been a year that all that was hidden is being revealed. Trump is the great revealer in politics and geopolitics. So he now openly says what was always the truth, for example, that we're there for their oil. We weren't there to help the women and children of Iraq. We were there to take their oil. And that is the truth. And that has always been the truth. He has revealed this truth. He has also revealed that, in fact, our trade policies since NAFTA, since especially the China rising into the WTO, has been a bad deal for the majority of workers in the United States. That has been revealed. Now, one of the things that has been going on since this financial crisis and back in 2009 and 10, remember, we had many debates here on Kaiser Report about whether there was going to be inflation or deflation. And a lot of people like Peter Schiff predicted hyperinflation because there would be so much money printing that you can't print $14 trillion and have no inflation. Well, shadow stats that John Williams runs was always the one that measured real inflation. Remember, he, he, he removed all the hedonic adjustments. Now, so we never actually see inflation and official numbers. But Wolf Richter at WolfStreet.com, I think, has figured out that where you're starting to see it. And that is, what's behind the subprime consumer loan implosion? These are the good times. But why are subprime credit cards, auto loans, and short-term installment loans blowing out? Okay, we've got a situation in subprime consumer loans. The delinquency rate on credit card loan balances at the nearly 5,000 smaller commercial banks in the United States, this means all banks except for the largest 100, is blowing out, according to Federal Reserve data. In the third quarter, the delinquency rate at these banks rose to 6.25%. That's even higher than during the peak of the financial crisis. So the delinquency rate has more than doubled in just the past two years. Uh, delinquency rate means uh, 30 days or longer overdue, your payments are. Um, the largest banks have a delinquency rate of 2.58%, so half of what you're seeing in the subprime sector. Um, and as we covered here, one explanation is greed and that these, um, you know, the used auto dealers are just um, pushing loans on people just to get that 20 percent you know interest payment for a month or two knowing that the person's going to go bankrupt so the missing inflation number has been discovered right because as you point out hedonic adjustments 
hid the inflation. When the government reports the inflation numbers, if something is rising in price a lot, they cut it. They don't report it. They don't put it in the basket of CPI. They don't put it in the basket of the inflation index that they use to report on inflation. Healthcare was getting too expensive, so they removed it. Uh, however, uh, Americans are now borrowing lots of money for that skyrocketing priced healthcare. And we see that now in the defaults on their subprime credit, right? And subprime auto, because you need a car to get to work. You need a car to get to the hospital. And these are things that are not included in the basket. So now the missing inflation number has been found. It's in the collapse of these loans, subprime and uh, auto, subprime uh, consumer credit. And so now uh, it's going to be almost impossible for those out there, like the Danny Blanche flowers of the world and other Fed chairmen and other central bankers to say, oh, there's no inflation, there's no inflation. No, that's absolutely wrong. And here's the hardcore, rock-solid evidence to prove you're wrong. Okay, yeah, we're going to go into the second explanation. He had uh, his first explanation was possible greed by these uh, the debt pushers. Now he's saying it could be hidden inflation. This is uh, 20, 30 years of hedonic adjustments that are now um, suddenly revealing themselves, not through the actual numbers, but the actual default rates and delinquency rates uh, skyrocketing here. The other factor in the subprime turmoil may well be something else. Prices of goods and services they need, that these uh, subprime people need, have risen sharply and outpaced their incomes. And this can happen overnight. This includes health care costs and it includes food costs and apartment rentals and cars have gotten a lot more expensive. But cars and apartments and cell phones have gotten a lot better too and these quality improvements are added to the price. Think of the move over the years from a four-speed automatic transmission to an eight-speed automatic, or from two airbags to ten airbags, or from a basic cell phone to a smartphone. Now, I mean, look at the iPhone, for example. The iPhone 11, it's infinitely better in terms of the quality of the video. And then the government uh, bureaucrats will say, well, we're going to hedonically adjust that. Yes, sure, the price is, what, $1,200, $1,300, instead of $800 that you could buy an iPhone just a, you know five years ago. But we're going to say that it's still $800 because it's so much better. So that's how they hedonically adjust this. And th the fact that, in fact, people are paying a lot more, uh, indeed, despite their incomes not going up as much, uh, we're starting to see that they have less and less cash reserves, less and less ability to withstand a, a surprise payment. Right. The government has an incentive to miss and underreport inflation because of things like payments to Social Security are tied to inflation, and they want to keep those payments as low as possible. So they're incentivized to lowball the number. They came up with this idea of hedonic adjustments. Uh, you know, a classic example is, and take steak out of the basket of goods that we calculate inflation and put hamburger, mm. right? That's a classic hedonic adjustment. And so we say the prices have not gone up because we removed the stuff that goes up in price. They include stuff like electronics built in Asia under slave wages as having a lot of influence in the basket of prices because it's under uh, really what it would cost to have somebody manufacture that with a real job here in America. And you end up with a misreported number that is used to justify low interest rates and artificially low interest rates on one hand. And number two, they get the mainstream financial press to misreport this number, the Financial Times, the Wall Street Journal, uh, CNBC. They carry this false message, fake news, that there's no inflation. Uh, John Williams at Shadow Stats says, wait a minute, if you were to calculate inflation today the way you did 20 years ago, it's running at 8, 9, 10 percent in America. That's the truth. 
but they don't do that anymore. But here's the proof. This default rate on these loans is the missing inflation. This is what rubber hits the road. This is it. All that has been hidden is being revealed. Right now, for example, the repo markets, it's hidden. Only a few select bankers know what's actually going on. The Fed, the New York Fed rescuing the system knows which bank or banks are in trouble. Somebody's in trouble, something's in trouble, something's happening, but we're not allowed to know it. But it's being revealed, this crisis is being revealed through the interventions. Here in the, in the markets, we're starting to see the, the, the stress in the credit markets, the subprime credit markets, which, re, which are the same as during the financial crisis, when there were millions of jobs lost, and therefore people couldn't make their payments. Here, we allegedly have a great uh, economy, Jobs are plentiful. The unemployment rate is at all-time low. Wages, as the Fed has even pointed out, have not been rising so sharp. But during these sort of times is when we see why the truth gets revealed is because if we're having a massive rise in inflation, and of course, for example, rentals, everybody knows that because of the disaster of 2008, 2009, there's an all-time low in terms of amount of, of, of Americans who could afford their own home, so they rent. Blackstone and all these private equity own all the properties. Uh, rental rates are up, up to 10% a year in some places, and that is causing stress. But um, the Fed doesn't count that into CPI. The, the government doesn't count that into CPI. Instead, they do owner-equivalent rent, and that's way lower. It's something like 1% or 2% a year rather than the double digits in many places. And so you can see that, for example, Wolf Richter points out, and remember, his background is in auto um, sales and stuff like that, so he really focuses on that. He said with used cars, for example, you could see that the most. The Fed's, the, the government's own data, the CPI for used cars has declined by 11% since 1995, but actual used car prices have actually soared since then. Their hedonic adjustments for the quality improvements in these cars suggest that, in fact, it's down by 11% if you count at how much better this car is than a car you could buy in 1995. Right. The, the default rates are not occurring because of an economic downturn, as no. they did previously, yeah. and that's understandable. The default rates are happening now at record highs because of the hidden inflation that's not been reported. And of course, anytime the mainstream press will report on this, they will characterize it as the product of greed, uh, which is foolish because in a capitalist, free market capitalist society, it runs on greed, right? Socialism runs on bureaucracy. Capitalism runs on greed. You can't, you can't fault greed in any aspect to a free market economy, especially from banks and corporations that are imposing monopoly pricing, as Blackstone is doing in the rental market. That's beyond greed. That's a kleptocracy. And then the problem is a kleptocracy blaming people are trying to get by day to day is greedy, when the fact is intrinsically and empirically what we're seeing is the hidden inflation numbers. That the New York Times doesn't report. That no other mainstream media outlet reports because they're in the bag. They're on the payroll. They're in the, you know, jig. Especially when it's, as I said, that Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You know, nobody needs an iPhone, but they do need a house and rental units are going up. They do need health care, especially the law changed, so you have to have these health care products. Um, those are going up by double digits a year, every year for the last five, six, seven years. And maybe somebody dips into their reserves and, um, you know, they could afford it the first year. Well, technically, you know, just struggle to get by. And we, every year we keep on seeing these signs of like, 
oh, the average American only has $600 for an emergency. Now it's $400. Now it's $200 because they're eating into their own reserves to afford these basic necessities. I saw a tweet from this uh, financial analyst, Luke Groman. He said, just got my health care renewal. No change in coverage. No change in health care status. Knock on wood. Premiums up 20% this year to 1286 a month with a $12,500 deductible. This was 450 a month in 2014 with a lower deductible. As he points out, that's a 19% uh, annual inflation rate that he's suffered since uh, 2014. Right, that's monopoly pricing. You have uh, trusts and monopolies in America running rampant beyond even during Teddy Roosevelt's era. This has become a huge scourge, which is destroying the economy in a big way. And the way to break that up uh, in the financial sector would be to do the exact opposite of what Donald Trump is suggesting. Donald Trump is saying we should take rates into negative territory. That, in that encourages the zombie banks and the kleptocracy to prey on Americans even more. So you're going to see more opiate deaths. We're going to see more violence on the border. We're going to see more social unrest because that's what negative interest rates do, Donald Trump. If you want to really do battle against the kleptocracy, you need to raise the cost of financial terrorism by raising interest rates Full stop. What is being revealed is the bankruptcy of this situation. So it's like that Ernest Hemingway quote from, I guess it's The Sun Also Rises, where they're talking about he went, the character went uh, bankrupt slowly and then suddenly. So as Wolf Richter points out about this, what's going on in the subprime market, and that doesn't mean that these people don't have jobs. Somebody could be earning 200000 a year and they're subprime because of a health care cost or something like that cause them to miss a payment or, you know, be unable to make a $100,000 payment for the air helicopter that came and rescued them after, a, uh, you know, a car accident or something. So he says this goes increment by increment. What might have worked last year suddenly doesn't work anymore this year. These consumers with jobs that have been living from paycheck to paycheck suddenly find themselves confronted with a 20% increase in health care insurance premiums or a 10% increase in rent or both. So it's these increment by increment. As you saw with that Luke Groman, he had to find a 200, over $200 a month extra. That's 2400 a year that you suddenly have to find to get the same exact product, the same exact product, your same exact health status, and still it goes up by 2400 a year. Well, speaking of Hemingway, I hear Trump's going to uh, re-release Old Man on the Sea. He's going to call it Make Fishing Great Again. All right, we're taking a break. When we come back, much more coming away. Welcome back to the Kaiser Report. I'm Max Kaiser. Time now to turn to Dave Collum. He's a professor of organic chemistry at Cornell University, so he must be smart. He's also a libertarian who writes an annual must-read year in review in which he looks at the economic, financial, and cultural trends rocking society. Dave, welcome back. Hey, this is a thrill to be back. This is bucket list material for me. All right, awesome. So, Dave, last year at this time, markets were tumbling. This year, Jerome Powell is handing out free money to the crybabies on Wall Street. Markets are at all-time highs as the result. I know you suck at math, but can this Fed QE, not QE, sustain itself, Dave? Not forever. If, if it does, it'll be the first time anyone printed their way to prosperity. So, uh, it, it, I, heaven only knows, I thought it couldn't go 10 years. So, uh, 
So to say I know when it's going to end would be foolish. Bank of America predicts, quote, quantitative failure, that more monetary easing will never enter the real economy and only push more asset price bubbles. So do you agree with that? And what does that mean exactly, Dave? The economy has certain needs, and, and, and I, I don't think taking credit even lower will cause someone to build yet another factory or, or another house or, or buy another car. And, and on top of that, since everyone's pretty much up to their, their tail ends in debt, um, and they learned from the last crisis that debt kills. So, so that's, that sales pitch isn't working anymore. So I think people are probably being conservative. Um, they're trying to get animal juices flowing, but, the, but I don't think it's going to work. And, and I don't think companies need more capital. Uh, there's no shortage. And when you look at the plumbing of Wall Street and the banking system, we notice that in the repo market, which is kind of one of the base layers of how the financial Ponzi scheme is stacked, there seems to be stress going on there. Uh, there seem, it looks like uh, we, what we saw during the 2008 crisis, but a lot worse. Uh, what, what do you make of the repo market and the current crisis happening there, Dave? I did a pretty serious you know, battle this year with the Balrog, trying to figure out what the repo market is doing. Uh, for people who haven't noticed this, it turns out that that's the the market where banks lend to each other and, and, and the rate's fairly steady. And for 10 years now, it's, it's moved smoothly. Um, and all of a sudden, the rates went from, from around 2% to 9% in a, in a heartbeat. And a metaphor I would use, like your cardiologist was looking and said, holy cow, what was that? And, and then it happened again. And, and so, so there's some sort, of, um, some sort of cardiac event going on inside the pipes of the bank. Um, I reached out to many, many people trying to find out what this is. I spent two hours talking to Grant Williams on the phone on a Saturday night. We concluded none of us know what's going on. There's, there's, there's about 20 different theories, and, and but there's something wrong inside the pipes. Is that frustrating uh, as a professor at, at Cornell University to have to admit that you know nothing? My history goes back far enough, and I think you guys actually know a little bit of it, um, uh, I have wallowed in ignorance for, for 64 years now and have no intention of stopping. So, no, it's not frustrating at all. It sounds very Socratic. You know, you're kind of open to the truth and you ask a lot of questions. Uh, but all kidding aside, your, uh, your tweet stream on Twitter is full of interesting nuggets and insights, and I encourage people to follow that. And uh, let me continue on here. So nobody knows nothing about the true state of central bank intervention. We see nation-states stockpiling gold. And others like Poland and Slovakia are repatriating their gold. So although it's hard to establish what's happening in the repo market, because there is a lot of opacity there, uh, gold market is pretty straightforward. Uh, people buy gold when they're worried about what's going on. And these countries around the world are stockpiling gold. They're repatriating gold. What, what do you read into that, if anything, Dave? Well, this has been going on for for the better part of a decade now, at least. Uh, Russia, China, um, you know, Germany called all its gold back. Um, uh, I think Holland just did, Denmark. Um, I think they called theirs back now, and so on. Uh, and as you said, Poland doubled its gold stash almost overnight. So uh, I, I think what will frustrate people is, is that, that even a, a good play like buying gold during these stressful times, it, it's not gonna play out quickly. It's gonna take years 
But I think the gold market is telling us that there's something going wrong um, with the uh, with the Bretton Woods system and the dollar reserve currency and that there's upheavals coming in our future. Let me try to summarize the conversation we're having so far. Um, we, we both agree that there are a lot of warning signs out there. The financial plumbing seems to be falling apart. People are panic buying gold. But at the same time, there's also record levels of complacency. Um, you know, I think, uh, uh, you know, it's hard to um, make a call because this has been going on for but for 10 years. We've been seeing this build up for 10 years. It's really hard to, you, nobody wants to go out on a limb and say, well, there, it, it, there is a problem. It's all going to blow up in the next six months because that call has been wrong for 10 years. People have been saying the bond market's going to blow up for 10 years. It, has, it keeps going up, et cetera. Um, you know, there's a lot of complacency out there, Dave, uh, in the markets and in, in academic circles. Is it, is, it, uh, is it dangerous complacency? Sometimes it's, it's best not to do anything and to just sit back, and sometimes it can be uh, the worst thing in the world to be, is to be complacent. What, what do you think people should do? Should they just th throw up, shrug their shoulders and just see what happens? Or should people be actively protecting themselves against what what could be a pretty severe financial event? Well, whatever they do, they have to, uh, they have to do what they can sleep with. Um, and, and so if, if someone, for example, jumps out of the market and then it keeps going up and it drives them crazy and they jump back in, it defeats the purpose. So they really have to come to terms with where they're at. Uh, if they jump out of the markets, whether it's the gold market or an energy market or equity market, whatever, uh, you can find it very hard to get back in. Uh, I've been sitting on the sidelines on the equities for quite a long time now, and and, uh, and I'm white-knuckling it. I'm, there's no chance it's going to suck me in. I'll go to my grave without buying equities if, unless these things come back to a decent valuation. Um, but you have to wrap your brain around it. You, you can't just say, oh, Max told me or Dave told me that, that I got to get out of equities, because if, if you don't fully understand what that means, you, you will fail. So if I'm uh, sitting on a stockpile of uh, cash and, and uh, stocks and I'm trying to make uh, fine-tune my portfolio, uh, that's uh, one consideration. Around the world, these issues that we're talking about, the banks committing fraud, the financial markets in disarray, uh, countries and, and large corporations hoarding, uh, individuals hoarding gold, that's being expressed or manifest in what we call the global insurrection against banker occupation. Hong Kong, Lebanon, Venezuela, Argentina, 20 countries now in flames protesting an extension of what we saw in Occupy Wall Street. The world's population is waking up to the fact that the central banks are out to kill them, essentially, and steal their money. Uh, are those people wrong? Well, you know, we hear the trite phrase, markets are forward-looking. And so I would have to say that uh, if that phrase was true, and you end up with a paradox where if markets were so forward-looking, why wouldn't they know that there's a crash coming? Um, but, but more to the point, I, either the markets are looking past that or, or, or they're not forward-looking. Uh, I think at some point we're going to have a real mess on our hands. And uh, I don't know when, but uh, it, it's a much scarier world to me now than, say, you know, 2000. I think 2000 was... was we had dot-com bubbles, but the world seemed like it was in great shape. Now it, it doesn't feel like it's in great shape at all. 
and, and the, the world is very polarized, both politically within countries and between countries. So, I, yeah, I think it's a kind of a fourth turning event here. I guess what uh, folks who are in the business of fine-tuning their portfolios and trying to front-run the fraud, which is the primary occupation here in America for the billionaire class, I guess what they're trying to uh, figure out is at what point is enough enough? Because I may have, like Michael Bloomberg, tripled my net worth thanks to Fed bailouts. But if the people with torches come and burn my house down and uh, I get sent uh, in, into the uh, guillotine, it, it might not be worth it. In other words, at what point do people... The billionaires have stolen all the money. At what point do they re do they reconsider that maybe their health is of primary consideration uh, more so than their wealth? You listen to the so-called billionaires. A lot of them are out there talking about how they feel really bad. They're billionaires, and and you got Ray Dalio who's doing it constantly, and and Buffett. These guys they all seem to be doing a CYA on their wealth. Um, I don't actually blame the billionaires. Uh, if if, if, if the, the market billionaires, the, the way these guys play the markets is simply a free market response to the monetary policy. So, so the guys I blame are, are central bankers. And to the extent the billionaires tweak the central bankers, then I'll blame the billionaires. But, but if I'm, if I'm, you know, David Einhorn or Ray Dalio or someone, in, and I'm watching the Fed, then I'll say, okay, if that's the game they're going to make me play, I'll play it. And they do. They do it well, and we get killed. The, yeah, the, no, I, the, I understand. I understand that, and uh, the question, I guess, would be that it's, they're like, okay, the Fed's going to give us free money. We're silly not to take the free money. But on the other hand, there are riots and uprisings around the world that are becoming increasingly more violent. So at what point does Ray Dalio say, you know what, I'm going to insist that the Fed raise rates to raise the cost of financial terrorism? Because if I don't, my entire town's going to be burnt to the burnt to the ground. I mean, it's okay to front run the Fed and, and, and steal billions as Ray Dalio does. But, uh, you know, at, at some point, he's going to probably start to think more strategically. We only have about 20 seconds left. We'll hold you over for another segment. But, um, you know, it, it, in other words, is he a suicide capitalist? I think so, but there's no way to get from here to, to normal without pain. And so I think Ray Dalio is fearing risk even if, if the Fed, if, if the system were to try to correct. We're not going to correct without going through the valley of death, I don't think. All right, we're going to cut it off there. We'll keep you over for another segment. Thanks for being on the Kaiser Report. And that's going to do it for this episode of Kaiser Report with me, Max Kaiser, and Stacey Herbert. I'd like to thank our guest, Dave Collum. If you'd like to get in touch, tweet us at Kaiser Report. Until next time, bye, y'all.